The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the home for amazing pin collectibles with over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code worth 10% off your next order at fansets.com. Fansets, our pins have character. Or Queen is pretty devious, isn't she? And Agnes, we find out, can take care of herself in a pinch. She's pretty good with both a Romulan phaser and a human shotgun. But what exactly happened to her? Well, hop aboard as we discuss this latest installment of Star Trek Picard. I'm Mike Bovia, and this is Discovering Trek Picard. Thanks for joining us on Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Universe Companion, presented by Fansets. This week is a good old-fashioned problem-solving romp that gets everyone in the crew back together again after being separated for a while. And yeah, Agnes can handle her handle herself with a weapon. It's pretty nice to see her take care of business. What's not nice is my brain is pretty fried, so it's hard for me to come up with some introductions for everyone. So names and podcasts are going to have to suffice this week. So uh, this week from the Sci-Fi Sisters, we have Sabrina Wood. And uh, Sabrina, it's been a few weeks since we've had you on. Uh, yes. You know, y- you guys are so busy all the time. Uh, you know, pre-shows for the lappies. I mean, this is... This is Live the life shows. of being a star. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's uh, well, as I said, well, first it was Black History Month, and then it was Women's Month, and now you know it's April, so nobody cares about us anymore. So <laughs> this is so this we is had to just mo- take take everything as it was coming. That's what this is the month for me because it's April Fools. So oh no. <laughs> All right. Our next co-host from Deep Space Pride is Mike Thurlow. And uh, again, Deep Space Pride dropped another episode and Jamie and I are sitting here and uh, Divine Treasury hasn't dropped an actual episode since I think right after um, Star Trek Las Vegas. All we've done is like promote other people's stuff uh, in the and, and got business cards. <laughs> Yeah, we got business cards. We got business cards now. You've been been doing this one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Come on. Don't sell yourself short. So I got to ask you, Mike. uh, I was with Jamie last night, and his wife was telling me that every time he goes away, but especially to a convention, he has a detailed list of things to pack. Uh, Do you get like that? Because I know I don't. You know, I don't. Uh, well, my packing list right now for Chicago includes uh, T-shirts, meaning like our Trek Geeks uh, Network T-shirts. I did. I failed. I failed to order the T-shirts, so we we're just going with the old <laughs> whatever we have. Uh, but and business cards is up there, and I was scrambling to have 
Johnson designed something so we can go to Staples and get it printed before we head out. But beyond that, um, no, I've actually been thinking I do want to create a checklist for myself just because I actually really get stressed out packing. Uh, it's the worst for me. And so, uh, but I did find out or I did check the weather and um, it's not going to be warm in Chicago, guys. Yeah, uh, I know. So I'm not too psyched about having to pack winter clothing for the weekend. So that I'm is uh, that is a bummer. I'm not. I'm packing a sweatshirt and I'll just suffer because the last thing I want to do is pack a big heavy coat and then get to the con and be carrying around a big heavy coat the whole time. Yeah, so. that's yeah, that's that's the tough part, you know. Now, I, maybe I I'll bring that same one, thing. Yeah, maybe I'll bring one for like post-con stuff, like going to dinner and whatnot, but not for the con. I'm going to suck it up. You know, uh I went to school in Indiana and uh we got that uh that wind off of Lake Michigan and it it, it it's cold down in South Bend, Indiana, but uh, Chicago, that wind is kicking and uh, it's if it's going to be cold there. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys. And uh, yeah, and also Jamie, uh, not Jamie, Mike, you, you need room. Well, you both need room in your suitcase for all the stuff that I know you're going to get. So or you're going to just pack an empty one. I don't know. Maybe that's the, the solution, too. So I, I, I do have I do have a. Uh a method that I'm going to use that I'll reveal later. Okay. Um, all right. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I travel so often for work that I don't even think about packing anymore. Um, my main concern is how many days, how many clothes. And, and then I just, a... I stand there with the laundry basket and I go one, two, three, four, <laughs> one, two, three, four. <laughs> it's like dealing cards. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, that's probably a good way to do it. Uh, you know, speaking of itineraries, though, typically when you when we go somewhere with Johnson or, you know, Dennis, my partner, goes with somewhere with Johnson, there is a very detailed itinerary. And uh, since Johnson and I have been traveling to cons together, we I've gotten him to be a little more relaxed about things. So there is no itinerary for this one. Uh, which is great. Usually we have our restaurants already booked and planned out. I'm like, oh, no, wow. we're just gonna, oh yeah. Because we, uh, you know, we, we, everything we do revolves around food. So we're like, where are we going to go for eat? What are we going to do? You know, what are we going to do for food? You know, I, you know, so that's, but we're, I'm like, there's going to be other people there. We're going to be, you know, see Mike and Jamie and the, the sci-fi sisters are going to be there and, and Bill and Dan, which is going to be exciting. So uh, there, you know, we just want to keep it loose and, and yeah. go with it. But, uh, yes, uh, I do think that a spreadsheet would sort of help or a checklist would help in packing. Cause then I wouldn't be quite so stressed out, but you know, it's par for the and course I heard at this that point. slip of spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm starting packing tonight just so that I don't have to think about it because believe it or not, we leave on Thursday. Um, yeah, I'm getting up at two o'clock tomorrow morning and driving to Pennsylvania to work uh, and then coming back on Tuesday. So, uh, oh, it's Hamish. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be it, I'm going to need the sleep on the plane because I don't think I'll be sleeping much this week. I hear you there. And uh, yes, my my other co-host Hamish has joined us just to say hi to everyone. 
And he just he just came back from a, a fresh fresh uh haircut fresh and fresh cut and uh so he's looking pretty uh pretty clean and uh he's got his uh shortcut for uh, the spring weather. So well, <laughs> I I know I can speak for at least the divine treasury in saying that uh Hamish is one of the more intelligent people on this podcast right now. Uh but that just that only takes care of 50% of it. I'm not gonna Definitely get the best haircut. <laughs> oh yeah, well, that's for sure. <laughs> well, All right. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. That's that has hair. Sabrina, you and I are the only ones with hair. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even mean that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, and and the aforementioned Jamie Rogers and his lists from the Divine Treasury. Um, and it, it's funny that we talk about Jamie's need for lists because we were just talking about the curation of his uh, Star Trek room when we were doing our patron recording. So uh, how, how far into the list are you right now? Are you complete? Well, I mean, yes, for what I'm looking for, whoops, for what I'm looking for as far as cards go, yes, it's complete right now. But we do have some sets coming out on the horizon, so... We'll see. I gotta make oh. sure I keep my. Well, I was talking. I was set. talking about your packing list. Oh, my that, packing list that you were well, sitting on my couch last night making while we were trying to carry on conversations as so adults. Here, <laughs> here's the thing about my list. Like, I'm very good at like making the lists, and then like I always end up like packing at the last minute anyway. So it's kind of <laughs> like the you know. But I do. I think for me, it's. It just it helps me mentally to like prepare for it. If I if I physically make a list, whether or not I look at it and actually check the stuff off, that's a whole other story altogether. But I actually did I actually did grab my suitcase yesterday, and I did start putting stuff in there, which is like eons ahead of where I normally am. Usually I'm last minute throwing everything together, so I'm trying to be very proactive this time and make sure that I am well prepared. Uh, for this trip and I have all the all the things I need to support the network and connect <laughs> with all you listeners in Chicago. See, see Bill and Dan, that. see Bill and Dan, there's no reason to fire the hosts of the Divine <laughs> Treasury. We're trying to be supportive. Yes, trying, trying. So Jamie, why don't you be supportive and tell everyone where they can find us and the network on social media? Well, if you'd like to follow the show on social media, you can find us at Discovering Trek, or you can join the conversation in Camp Kittimer. Answer a few simple questions, and our admins, Haley, Jackie, and Fark, will let you in. Now, this is your friendly reminder that this episode of Discovering Trek provides spoilers for the Picard episode, Fly Me to the Moon. If you have not watched yet, head over to Paramount Plus, watch the episode, and then head back. Failure to do so leaves you open to spoilers. Episode 205 of Star Trek Picard, Fly Me to the Moon, aired March 31st, 2022. It was written by Cindy Appel, and it was directed by number one himself, Jonathan Frakes. Picard discovers that an important person from his past may be integral to the divergence in the timeline. Q continues his manipulation of the timeline, taking an interest in Dr. Adam Soong. Seven and Rafi attempt a daring rescue of Rios, 
while Girati faces the consequences of her deal with the Borg Queen. So here's where we get into the nuts and bolts of the episode. Uh, so I'm going to get started with Sabrina. Sabrina, was this a thumbs up or a thumbs down for you? And how come? Oh, it was a double thumbs up for me because, um, first of all, as you know, I'm TOS. And anything that brings back Gary freaking seven, <laughs> come on. Yes, I laughed when I saw that. That was the best thing in this whole episode for me, the call back to Gary seven. So, yeah, I double thumbs up for me. Sweet. Yeah, that that was awesome. And the thing I like most about that uh, is it made my prediction from last week come true. So, uh that means I'm batting like 0. 0.010 for the season. I think uh, that was my yep. lone. That's my lone hit. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Mike thumbs up, thumbs down. Definite thumbs up for me. Uh, I actually think that this is one of the better written episodes. Uh, they're all excellent. That's not a ding uh, by any means, but uh, this week, the dialogue was just really tight and really uh, interesting and, and just kept me uh, kept me fixed on on these characters. And, uh, you know, especially between uh, Q and Adam Sung and um, what's the other one? Uh, Talin and Picard. I just thought that the the one on one conversations that Cindy wrote this week were were excellent. And, um, so I, I, I enjoyed this episode a lot. Yeah. All right, Jamie, I think I know what direction you're leaning, but uh, why don't you let us know anyway? Well, I'm going to say thumbs up. Um, dare I say, this is my favorite episode of the season. Ooh. So far. Um, and I actually, I really think, and I, and I know, I think I've kind of expressed this in previous episodes, how I feel like each episode is getting better and it's kind of building mm -hmm. up to that you know, crescendo at the top of the, you know, of the, the turn here. Um, but I really, I really like this episode because I feel like in the first four episodes, we really saw a lot of different crazy ideas being introduced and we really weren't sure how they were going to fit in and how characters were going to fit in or th plot threads were going to fit in. We were kind of a little lost. And I feel like this episode, we're starting to see these plot threads kind of like finally come together mm -hmm. and we see the arc of this show really starting to take form and take shape. Um, the whole Gary seven connection, like Sabrina mentioned uh, to me was awesome. And I love the fact that, you know, um, I forget her name. Is it Talarin? Talarin. Talarin. The Talon, Talon, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. I love how she hates time travelers just like Gary seven hated mm -hmm. time travers. I thought that was a, an interesting connection. You know how Gary seven hated Spock and Kirk coming back and um, how she hates it. Um, and I also love that, you know, just like Gary seven was attempting to save the, you know, protect space exploration. That's something very similar to what we're seeing here with, with this watcher or this um, supervisor. Um, and then I, I will say this, I love Mission Impossible. I love movies like Ocean's Eleven. And I feel like the next episode, we're really going to see like a Mission Impossible type dinner sequence vibe, you know, at the end there. And I just, I, I just, I loved, loved 
um, that whole sequence. And I'm really excited to see where it goes uh, in next week's episode. And Easter eggs are still, they're still coming. And, and I love the fact that the, the Easter eggs we're seeing in this season, I mean, they're, they're pretty much naming Captain Kirk and the Enterprise, mm-hmm. where we, we never really saw that. I think they would be more subtle with the Easter mm-hmm. eggs or... You know, the only time I really remember them mentioning Captain Kirk by name was is in the Naked Now. You know, other than that, they really wouldn't mention his name too often. And it's like it's really cool that they're just coming right out saying, "Oh, this was when Captain Kirk went back in time to Gary Seven. You know, yep. it, it, I just think it's it's really cool how they're doing it this season. But I think this is my favorite episode by far. Mm. Yeah, I'm also going to continue the trend of thumbs up, um, and I've got to say. Um, so we're on episode five now and we have not had a thumbs down from a co-host yet on an episode. Now I've been reading a lot about, um, people's feelings on season one that they really liked the season, but they felt overall that it kind of peaked around episode seven or eight. And then like tanked really bad. So I'm hoping that it's not going in that direction because you know, you're right, Jamie. It, it just seems like it's building and building and building. Um, so hopefully we continue that trend. And I, you know what? I would even be satisfied if we built and stayed at a plateau instead of tanking downward. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed this episode. Um, you know, she is not in my awards, but once again, um, the acting of Allison pill as Girardi is front and center on this episode. Uh, and that really, that really, I think for me helped it out. Um, not that it was in any way bad, uh, because there are other performances I think that were better, but she, she really did a, another excellent job in this episode. Please specify how you would like to proceed, sir. So key points uh, that stuck out to us and why we feel that way. So Mike, uh, we'll give you the floor first. Well, um, I think the first thing that I want to call out about this episode is it was great to have the return of Evan Evagora, uh, Issa Briones, Orla Brady and Leah Thompson. So uh, I thought it was a really nice uh nice uh return to having all these people be part of the the show again uh certainly it was um you 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 had to do a double take when you saw uh evan come out of the uh elnor come out of the the bus and you're like what's going on here um so that was really cool and then uh to see isa brianna's return as kara or carrie i don't know Corey. corey corey uh, Sung is uh, is a really interesting um, interesting thing. So um, so the return and, and to see Leah Leah Thompson uh, do a little uh, cameo there as uh, Doctor Werner on the on the council that uh, rejects Doctor Sung's uh, license and his ability to do anything anymore. So I thought that, that all those little things really made this episode nice, uh, a nice, like nice little touches throughout the episode. You know, I think that, um, and I left off at the beginning, one of my favorite conversations too is with Seven and, and Rafi. So I think these these dialogues between 
you know, characters is really spot on in this episode. So I loved, I loved Rafi and Seven going at it. I loved, um, I loved Q and Adam Sung talking in the, uh, in the, wherever they met, I'm assuming it's like a diner or something like that, a restaurant or somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, and, and some of the quotes, uh, especially from Q, this, this episode really s- stood out to me. Uh, and I think it lends a lot of credence to, obviously we, we've talked in the past about some of the issues going on with Q and we don't know what's going on, but, uh, he, he calls it out about time, uh, which is interesting. Uh, so his quote is, seems like I've taken time for granted of late and now she's threatening to abandon me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love how Adam Sung just replies, that's the crazy talk that I'm, you know, I'm out of here. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, Q can obviously, uh, you know, has a great tongue for words, but, uh, and then to refer to himself both as, and here we go again, another mention that we, we've seen throughout this, that he's a gentle flutter of a butterfly. And then the exact opposite of that is as death, the destroyer of worlds. And I'm like, wow. Um, you know, these, these things that, uh, he is, he's, he's calling himself, uh, are just really, really powerful. I thought, um, the other piece, so I'm, I'm, I was really trying to get into the head of Q in this episode and, uh, later on towards the end of the episode where Q and Adam are talking after, um, after Adam calls, obviously calls Q and says, okay, I'm in and, and, you know, Q shows up at his place. Um, and they're talking about this idea of being hostage to love and, um, you know, my questions that came out of that are, um, who does Q love and, and why is he doing this? So I'm really trying to figure out the motivations of, of, of Q and all of this. And, and that, you know, obviously the, the callback about time earlier in the episode is there and he's running out of time, but he's also, I feel like he's really directly manipulating things like in person, you know, it's not a snap of the fingers. He's actually actively like in this, in the sessions with, with Renee, he's at like, and Picard calls him out on it. You know, he's actively talking her out of going on this mission. So there is, again, you know, we don't know the, the motivations of Q yet. Uh, but I don't know that I, and I, and forgive me if I, I'm not, I don't keep a database of all all the little pieces of every episode. Johnson would be able to like probably tell you all of these right off the top of his head, but I just don't know that Q has ever actively this actively manipulated something in in a situation that's going to change history so directly. And, and I could be wrong. I mean, I'm I have def- a theory I'm, about that. Oh, okay. The, the, clo- the closest I yeah, the closest I can think of is Q who when he introduced them to the Borg early. Right. But, that, but literally, you're right, Mike. Literally, that is about the only thing we've ever seen uh, when it comes to that. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I just started to wonder and really pay attention to what Q is saying. And uh, which is why I think that the writing on this episode is so sharp. Uh, you know, uh, he says to Adam, we are all hostages to what we love. The only way to truly be free is to love nothing. How meaningly. So this is, this is actually the kicker. 
So he should really like the regular Q would say the only way to truly be free is to love nothing. And he'd probably say, I have, you know, I love nothing. But instead he says, how meaningless would that be? And that's just, that, that's a, that's also a difference here in this cue that um, he's actually admitting that to some extent, if you read into that, he's admitting that there is something that he loves and uh, he's realizing that like the meaning of life is, or part of the meaning of life is to love. And so that's also really help, having me wonder what his motivations are in all of this. Is it to save his partner in the Q continuum? Is it something else? Um, is it his own life? I don't know. So uh, those are, you know, that that to me is the most intriguing part of all of this episode. Um, you know, I love, I love the Girardi and Queen bit. Um, and the shocking kind of ending to that. Uh, but, um, you know, and, and also, as I mentioned in the, in the pre-roll, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of manipulation going on with this, with this queen. And in fact, I, I really want to say like, as much as I loved, um, I can't think of her, Alice Krieg as the board queen. I think that Annie Wershing is killing it as the board queen. Uh, just, uh, it's just a whole nother level of, of manipulation and talking to Girardi, like, you know, you're, you're alone in every timeline. Ouch, you know, ouch, that that's, that's manipulation. And, um, she says you're forever invisible. I mean, really like harsh, harsh things that this queen is doing to manipulate, uh, Girardi. And, um, so those are some of the things that kind of stood out from, for me. Um, the only other question that I really have kind of outstanding that I'm interested in, and I don't know that we'll ever explore or see this is who is, uh, is, uh, Corey's Corey, Corey, Corey's mother. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, I'm, I'm she curious. does reference that. Yeah. He, he, you know, Adam pauses when she says, what, you know, was my mom a good swimmer or something like that? Talking about swimming. Mm -hmm. And he really pauses and takes a breath. So I'm just, you know, I'm curious about what happened to his, her mother. So, mm. um, yeah. Can I give you a free nonsense prediction? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So Q is manipulating the timeline so that he can actually get to his true love, Catherine Janeway. Oh. As I said, nonsense prediction, <laughs> but I couldn't help. I couldn't help that as you were talking. <laughs> by the way, by the way, just as a side note to, to our listeners, if you haven't listened to uh, Mike and M's conversation with, uh, with uh, Captain Janeway herself, um, it was excellent. I actually finally listened to it this weekend, and it was amazing, Mike. So, and here's an additional side note to that: uh, I appear on all of like two minutes of that conversation, which is what makes it better. <laughs> I, I love the questions that she was asking him, but that's a that's a conversation. That's something I should have brought up in the pre-roll. But anyway, <laughs> that's okay. <sighs> All right, Jamie, how about you? Uh, key points for you. Well, Mike did steal a lot of my thunder this week. So, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to separate, oh, <laughs> separate the two of you guys going forward. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. 
It's fine. Great minds think alike. I think, um, you know, so I really did pick up a lot on the whole, the whole Q thing. Um, in fact, I, in my notes, I highlighted those three sentences that he said, you know, I am the evolution of stardust. I am the gentle flutter of a butterfly. I am death. You know, I, I, I really was focusing on that too. And, and even as a side point too, which I know Mike didn't mention this one, but the, I am the evolution of stardust. That was kind of interesting to me that he said that because that was kind of a bizarre thing. You know, I actually looked up the dictionary definition of stardust and it's a magical or charismatic quality or feeling. So I'm trying to kind of like figure out where that, where that kind of that whole thing kind of fits into this um, Q scenario. But it was nice to see, like, like was mentioned, Evan Evagora and Issa Brionis back for the season. It's nice that they weave them back in. But what's interesting to me is how these, those two characters are really being used to drive some of the major characters of this season, right? We see, you know, um, Elnor is really driving that um, Rafi's character. And, you know, I think I kind of mentioned it in previous episodes that we may see him in flashbacks. And I, I'm kind of getting the feeling that this is what we're going to see that throughout Mm. the season, Rafi is going to be struggling with, you know, this loss of Elnor and seeing flashes of him at moments, key moments, maybe where, you know, she really needs to make a decision. She's seeing Elnor there. Um, It's really driving her character. But now we see this character of Corey. And we really see how that character is driving Dr. Soon, right? And we see that we're kind of getting a setup here that this character is really going to like make him do some things that might be dark and might really, you know, take this character to a dark, dark place um, because of his love for her, uh, whatever she is, you know, or whatever issue she has, his love's really driving Driving and then this, you know, it's kind of almost the same thing. Like I feel about how I feel about the Queen and Agnes Girardi, that the Queen is really driving uh, the Girardi character throughout the season. So those things were really interesting to me. I really love the cameo that we saw with Leah Thompson. I also like the little cameo that we saw that um, Doctor Vasily Rajenko. I'm not sure if thank anybody you. else caught that. Thank you. Um, that was, uh, you know, an, a nod to Worf's parents and his brother. Um, from TNG. So I thought that was kind of really cool. What um, about Alexander? He had the Roshenko you know, name. Yeah. And Alexander, you know, <laughs> Vasily, he has, this guy was named Vasily. Vasily. Yeah, yeah. Vasily. Um, you know, and I like the fact that we now, you know, it's a connection to season one. We know where Dodge and Soji came from, where that image came from. Cause obviously there's a reason why, that character's image, Corey, is is in Data's head when he does the painting, and you know why that's the the template. Now we're we're seeing that connection uh, between the first season. Uh, a lot of things I really enjoyed about the Borg Queen as well. Um, I like the fact that she was like picking up some of the the cell phone frequencies at the beginning of the episode, and I thought it was a really nice callback to the TNG episode Brothers. I don't know if anybody else caught that, how, mm, how data, it. how data was using the different voices to lock out the main computer in brothers, you oh, know, yes. and uh, basically right. the board queen kind of does the same exact thing. She is using the different voices to, to kind of tap into the um, um, cell phone frequencies. So that was something I thought that was really cool and a nice, a nice, another little call back to TNG. Yeah, for me, I, f- I felt like I, w- I was wondering where she picked up on Rios's 
voice because she was kind of she wasn't quite active when he was around Agnes. very much. I, I mean, Agnes and her obviously were in that therapy session, and Picard was there, so those voices made sense to me. But the whole idea that she could copy Rios's voice was she got it from Agnes's mind. Oh, good one. Pillow so, talk. Uh, Got it from Pillow Talk, baby. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm All glad right. that we have you on here, Sabrina, yes. because I never picked up on that. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I mean, you know, that's where I thought she got it from. She got it from Agnes's head. Good call. That is excellent. Mystery solved. Back to you, Jamie. You're welcome. Jamie. <laughs> one seven three four six seven three two one four seven six. Charlie. <laughs> brothers yeah I, I know you had to look that up you didn't memorize oh, that god yeah come on <laughs> <laughs> but, but but i the, think it was you, a you cool know you call back <laughs> the only part of that that i have memorized is the very last part lock <laughs> yeah <laughs> the, the low-hanging fruit for me <laughs> no but i just i remember that episode so vividly when i was watching that scene like oh my goodness this is this is data locking out the main computer <laughs> I like that point too, that you brought up about um, seeing the uh, connection now between the, the visual of Dodge and Soji in the painting. And I hadn't even, I hadn't even picked up on that, but when I was watching it with M, she said, Oh, Hey, that's why data painted the painting that looks like Dodge and Soji. I'm like from the mouths of babes, you know, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sabrina, key points. Wow, what's left for Sabrina? Okay. I know, really. I have, I have bizarre things. I have bizarre things that I noticed. But first of all, I was intrigued with Renee Picard. And I wasn't sure if Picard had mentioned her back in the first episode when he was talking to the class. And he, he was talking about his ancestors. And I, I said, I got to go back did. and see if he mentioned yep. her. If she's so key that, you know, the world is going to stop and turn and everything's going to change that he didn't mention her. But um, I think it's interesting that we're going to bring up a person who is of this caliber, but also suffering from, you know, melancholy and depression. Personally, I think she probably would have washed out of this out of this way before she got the mission. But I think it's interesting that they are putting this in that story. And I love that part of it. I want to see how that plays out and the fact that they've got a hold her up because she's still gonna she's still gonna do this mission even though she has this um affliction i don't know what you would call it um i also thought the thing that really got me and i watched this like two or three times just to go back was um laris too which is what i'm calling her her apartment because this is supposed to be 2024 correct Yes. And that apartment looked like something from back in the 50s. I'm like, well, is this the apartment she got when she first got to Earth? Because there was an old TV. There was an Maybe old it was Gary phone. Seven's apartment. It looked like it. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> what is this? This is like from the 60s. Where are, where are they? And then even her little tablet looked like an Etch-A-Sketch. I'm mm -hmm. like, what is going on? Like, I don't understand this at all. And somebody, please explain to me, whatever tea Picard was drinking that he had poured milk in, tell me that was not Earl Grey. Because those of us that love tea, if you Ugh. put milk in Earl Grey, I got something to say about that. But he was drinking his tea that looked completely... You and me both. Oh, my God. What are you doing, Gross. Picard? That is not Earl Grey hot. Um, and so the other thing I thought, I loved the whole... Uh, okay, here's my thing about Q. And 
I have trash predictions, so here's more trash. Um, I don't think that's the same cue. I think that's that timeline's cue. Interesting. I don't think that's the same cue that sent Picard back there to stop whatever's going to happen if Q's the one that's starting it. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me stop. Like, if he's the one that's trying to stop the mission, but didn't Q send Picard back there to make sure that something got changed back? So why is he the one? Well, he really did the shenanigans. He really didn't send him back. He, he all he said was something got messed up, and then he disappeared. Right. Okay, so he really didn't he send told him back. them again. Yeah. Like you're saying, he threw them in front of the Borg. He threw this little morsel at them and said, "You know what?" Everything's screwed up and you got to go find the watcher, whatever he said to them. And they go off on this round the world. Here we go. We got to steal the board queen. Let's go around. They're doing all this crazy shit to get back to Q. That can't be the same guy. <laughs> I'm just like, who is this Q? Because now I'm really scared. If you're telling me there's a different Q in every timeline, I'm really oh, afraid man. of myself. Oh, my God. Yeah. But I don't know what's going on. But he has the same sort of affliction. And that, that scared me to death when they turned the camera around. He said, I want eyes on the doctor. And there was Q. And I'm like, all right, I'm completely freaking confused. But that's my prediction. This is a different Q. It's Q versus Q. And um, they're both sick because, I don't know, they both got the same whatever's going on. The snap is gone. The snap is gone from his fingers. And he's not the same man at all. Okay, Elvis head scratcher. Where did that boar queen tendril come from? And why didn't she use that before? Excuse mm. me, you got a tendril all of a sudden? <laughs> you can't untie yourself? Yeah, What's up? but but I, I, I got an right explanation. On. I got an explanation for that. Give it Go to for me. It. All right. I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk myself. about I'm going to talk okay. about Star Wars again. Right? Oh, think, man. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Hear me out. Hear me out. Think of the prequels, right? Okay. Did the emperor really use all his powers right off the bat? No, he didn't because he was seducing Anakin Skywalker to become Darth Vader. Uh, right? okay, How could he do that if he played all his cards, right? Because he was trying to seduce. So but now the board queen is trying to seduce Agnes Gerardi. If she would have just came right out with all her tentacles and did everything right off the rip. I want right? you to come to me willingly. Yeah, she, she has seduced her, <laughs> right? right? And and she needed to touch her in order to, you know, assimilate yeah. her. Yeah. How else would she get that to happen unless she was at a point of weakness where she's almost dying? Just like Anakin turns you over the dark your, side. You fire your back tendril. That's what. <laughs> well, how many people like the okay. prequels? That's not the point, Mike. The point. <laughs> and right? actually, I have a better respect for the prequels because it, it spawned Clone Wars mm. and everything, and that makes it so much more rich. So, but, but this is another example of. I'll, I'll go with what Jamie's yeah. saying. It's yeah. 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 so alive. So alive. I think. I think that's a good. I think that's a good explanation. I'll take it. I have one more point to make in this whole thing. And did anyone else notice that the card that Q gave Adam Song? has the same little representation in the opening credits, that whole tunnel kind of look to it. No. Go back to the opening credits and then, right, there's a scene where that brown thing is there in the opening credits. And if you go back to the card, it's that same thing. So when you watch the opening credits, you have to watch them in Sabrina vision. Mike is going, wait, wait, wait. I got it. Yep, you're right. That that weird tunnel 
Right. It, you're right. It is the same. It's on the card. It's on the card. Oh my gosh. Cause I was like, I've been wondering what is that? Why is that even there in the in the credits? In the credits, right. I'm like, right. what is that? Yes. All right. I'm with you. Wow. That's okay. Sabrina, you you've, bl- you've blown my oh, mind. I gotcha. I, I, I gotcha. Got Interesting. <laughs> yes. Interesting. It's like, what is that? It's some cuteness. It's some cuteness in the cuteness. <laughs> cuteness the from thing, the cue card. Like, cuteness from the cue card. I dialed the phone number. Who dialed the phone number? I did. I did. <laughs> it's funny. You got to dial it. It's yep. hilarious. For, for anyone that has not, it will be played at the end of this episode. And last thing, last thing, and this I got out of uh, the Sci-Fi Sister uh, discussion thread. So I'm going to give it up to my my uh, people in the mothership. Thank you guys for all these. <laughs> Somebody said that it's very interesting to notice that this song is named Adam as if he's the first song. And that wow. Corey, Corey is also an alternate name for the goddess of the underworld. Ooh. Back in ancient times. So Corey, it's spelled that way, K-O-R-E. So I'm just throwing that out there because Cindy Appel, who wrote this, I mean, oh my going down. God. So you, know what, you know what I often think sometimes, like when I hear like podcasts like us where we're like digging deep to all these like <laughs> hidden meetings to things. Like I wonder if like the writers just like sit there and listen and go, I never even thought of that. That's great. That's great yeah. that you picked that out of uh this thing that I created. Yeah. <laughs> right, they're, right. they're saying they're making up stuff. Yeah, they're saying they're saying, what the hell is wrong with these people? <laughs> <laughs> they need to get a life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but Leah, Leah Marcus or whoever gave me that tip, thank you so much. <laughs> so I want to go back to something that you mentioned, uh, Sabrina, about uh Renee Picard. The thought that uh, with the anxiety and depression that she had, she might have at this point already washed out. I'm kind of wondering if she has in herself that Picard gene um, where we think of how uh, Jean-Luc, after having been assimilated by the Borg, Mm. then had to face them multiple times after that assimilation. You know, we know he was dealing with PTSD revolving around that assimilation. And yet every time the board came up, he not only rose to the occasion, but like excelled in that occasion. Mm-hmm. I think the only time, the only two times we really see him kind of fall on his behind, you know, the one time is with his brother right afterwards. And that was, that was really more of a therapeutic moment for him. Mm-hmm. And then the only other time I can think of is one of the very last next gen scenes overall when he um, uh, when he kills his clone there. What was his clone's name? I can't remember. Um, good. I'm glad I, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Yeah. In Nemesis. Oh, no, uh, Shinzon. 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 Yeah. I, I was because yeah. you said you said next generation episode, so I was like, "Well, I yeah, said, I, I was, yeah, I was, I was say that, sorry." Yeah. I was and he saying, said, "Clone," and we knew where to go. Although I yeah, do, sorry. I do think, I do think he kind of fell on his face a little bit in I Borg. He really needed our black sister Whoopi to really whoop okay. him into shape, whoop him up, whoop him into shape. You know what I mean? Because I think he kind of, uh, yeah, he let his I, emotions I that. get the best of him there. But, I can but see those that. are all things that happen after a traumatic event, as opposed to having 
something just, that is mm-hmm. possibly a chemical imbalance or whatever right. depression and anxiety mm-hmm. that you would see. So she's had this, obviously, Laura's too is telling us she's had this since childhood. So I oh, find it interesting that she would, she would still be in the program. You know, I'm watching, you know, for all mankind. Yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. you have to be the ultimate specimen yep. to, to go best through this. So I'm best. sort of like, that's, I, I'm not faulting it. I'm just saying it's interesting that they would give her these foibles right. or give her this. Yeah. And make that the thing that mm-hmm. they have to protect her from. So that's interesting. I, yeah, just, I, I know. Hmm. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, Sabrina. And, you know, I'm glad you brought that out because that's a good point. I hadn't thought of it from that perspective either. Um, so my key points trying to um, go on some of the things that might be left over um, grasping at whatever scraps are left at the table here. <laughs> well, I want to go back to the Corey mother thing. I mean, mm. what's going on there? Cause he looked at her like, oh, girl, you don't have a mother. She's doing like, are you my mother? You need I, to have, I definitely yeah. have some thoughts on that. Yeah. And I'm, not where where it's going. I'm not liking where it's going. Where are you, where are yeah. you going? <laughs> Be careful where you tread, girl. Yeah. Oh, um, don't don't give me this. She's a clone too. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let me see. I gotta scour over my notes here. So I found it interesting that uh, so we see Adam Soong here, and this is an aspect of the Soongs that I don't think we've really seen before, like. Adam is at the mercy of Q to save Corey. Um, You know, we see it in the, and my brain is not functioning right now, but the future, the future soon from enterprise, you know, we see it to a certain extent with the augments, Yes, but that, but then, you know, he thinks about it and he realizes he's being stupid. Adam Soong does not seem like he's going to have that aha moment. It seems like he is going to do anything he can do to save that girl. Um, And I'm not throwing fault at that. I'm just, I'm seeing that as a quality that's coming out of him already. You know, um, (sighs) go for it. What do you got? Okay. <laughs> well, no, I was just thinking that, you know, because Adam Sung is a geneticist and so was the Sung in Enterprise. And it's mm-hmm. not until that Sung that we even turn to him going to robotics right. or cloning. So I think I'm going to stay with Corey is real, but I have a feeling her mother uh, may not be, I don't know, maybe she's but not you, human. But you got to think, though. <laughs> Maybe he, goes, maybe he goes to robotics because of all these unsuccess, the, all these unsuccessful ventures mm. in, in genetics. Okay. Right? Maybe yeah. he's not, he's not, yeah. you know, like how the history should be. Mm-hmm. If it's correct, mm-hmm. well, Corey's supposed know. to die because yeah. his mm-hmm. genetic experiment doesn't work. Right. We know that we know that um, there are cybernetic organisms in the future in the in the future of this timeline because of harvey from uh is it episode two yeah uh where they're where they're at the chateau and he meets harvey Um, oh that's right that's right yeah so so we yeah so we know that there's a uh, a soon type android uh in the future so that would be based off of you know this lineage 
And he's he basically but those has were Bruce Maddox's um, creations, but it's based off of the Soong prototype. Oh man, okay, I'm getting a headache. Oh, me <laughs> too. It's like quantum <laughs> mechanics. <Yeah. laughs> but I was gonna Wait, say I'm getting though, a time incursion headache. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was gonna say though too, Harvey held a higher position in the Picard house yes. than the actual slaves too. Like, like mm-hmm. he was a servant, yeah. but he wasn't really necessarily a slave. He was, he was more almost like, like an assistant. Per- yeah. A personal assistant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, he was the personal assistant. Yeah. So, and, then, and obviously we see that whole dynamic of Adam Soong statue, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a, uh, I forget what, what the phrase he said was, but you know, humans, a, a human, a human, a safe galaxy, a safe galaxy, a galaxy, is a galaxy human is a galaxy. Human galaxy. So, if he's a guy that's at the forefront of this new alternate timeline, right? If his values, right, it's going to bring yeah. the values of the clones mm-hmm. or the genetically engineered people or the, you know, soon type, soon type androids to the, you know, they're going to rise a little bit higher in the food chain than some yeah. of these other alien species. So here's another thought around Adam. Um, so Corey he takes Corey out after he gets uh, the quote unquote from Sabrina smart water from Q. Um, and, uh, you know, she goes outside and we look up and we see that shield over the house. And it's the same shield that was over the earth in the uh, alternate oh, future timeline. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there is some more soon moving forward into the future stuff. I hate to break this to you, Sabrina, though, but uh, he he wasn't a bum. I know you were talking about that. The whole smart <laughs> yeah, water. Yeah, he wasn't a bum. Soon <laughs> being a bum. Like a bum. No. I said he's a bum. Well, <laughs> he was. He looks, looks like it a little bit, but oh yeah. <laughs> and you saw where he lived and what he drove, and I don't know. Right, he doesn't right. look he's like doing a bum. All right, doing okay. So another point here, I, I find it interesting that. Q wants soon to remove Renee. Like when we first hear him say, what do you know about Picard? We're thinking, does he know something about Jean-Luc Picard? But it's Renee Picard that he's trying to get soon to remove. And, you know, he must've given him a little bit of a tidbit about Jean-Luc. No, but they they didn't they didn't technically yeah he just said Picard he didn't okay and so and I I mean I I immediately thought that he's talking about Renee because it's contemporary mm-hmm. times and she, her name would be in the news so I think that he's aware of who Q is talking about in the mm-hmm. sense of that it's Renee and not Jean Luc. I still go I still go back to this thing though of you know I think of the previous episode where. You know, Q couldn't snap his finger and yeah. kill her, let's say, right? He's, he was trying to right. snap his finger and, and get rid of her and couldn't. But yet, like, it seems like he still has some measure of power where, you know, he's able to come up with this, the magic formula, and he's able to go wherever he wants to go. And, and, and he's able to do all these other things, but yet he can't directly affect the, the linchpin in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. He can't directly affect Picard. He needs to find somebody else mm-hmm. to actually do his dirty work for him, which is to me is kind of an interesting, interesting Total, little thing. Right. Like, why, why, why can't he do anything to affect her? What it's is totally it about not her? it? Right. It's totally not Q's MO yeah. to have to use someone else 
to get his job accomplished. Yeah. And I'm wondering now, yeah. And I'm wondering now if Sabrina's idea isn't into play, like if both cues aren't in this timeline, like at this point Mm -hmm. in time right now, and the one that's talking to Sung is the cue from 2400. And they're trying to like either the, the younger Q hasn't figured out, like been able to do it or I don't know, like there's now that now Sabrina, you've got my mind working about where, where, which is which Q and it, could there be two in this timeline in, in this point of 2024 as well? Uh, he hasn't talked to Q again since they came right. to this timeline. Q has right. not appeared to Picard. Right. It's yeah. true. Right. The only exposure he's had to him was through that, uh, surveillance video uh of the uh of the session with the with the psychiatrist i don't know i I could be complete trash but (laughs) Uh, sabrina all i gotta say is that i'm glad when we went into this that i started drinking a pint because (laughs) it's really helping me digest some of what you're trying to say (laughs) i still don't understand why he would send them back and then he'd be the one that is the problem that's right i I think that's that's a really brilliant point point, yeah Mm -hmm. i he never sent them back though right he did not he 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 didn't good point jamie yeah he he never never he never sent them back he just said here's what your future is here's what it is and then you know picard was like basically arguing with them mm-hmm. you know and saying like i'm not going to play this game and q just left you yeah. know he he, i think he did kind of leave a breadcrumb saying like you know something happened in the past but it, it it wasn't until they went to the board queen and and actually talked to the board queen about time travel where the mm-hmm. board queen said there was a divergent Right. Back in you know 2024 in Los Angeles, yeah, so they didn't get but, all that. But I'm saying it's the same as bringing the Borg to them ahead of time. I mean, yeah. you brought this fact that something was going to happen to their attention, <laughs> you know. And so why would he do that if he's if he wanted to? I don't know. You know, I'm just, that's why you be, that's why you watch the show. <laughs> he's affected too, though. Like he's not this. Like we can clearly see yeah. he's not the same guy. He wasn't in either time yeah he, he's he wasn't the there and guy. he isn't in this in this time here either he's got the same problem so i don't know can i uh can i bring up one thing that bothered me about this episode uh the gendarme or the the, the police officer how he got in the cop how he got into la serena whatever it's called yeah, in this was, timeline. I, I felt the same. And they, they didn't really show she that. Opened the door. They, they, didn't yeah. sh- they didn't show it. it. Yeah, I guess she could have opened the door. I, it's just, eh, I don't know. That's Wait, one of the things that. she called them in French. She, she told did. them where the thing was. You think she's going to have them like, pick yeah, but, the lock but, on the, on but, the spaceship? But she, she opened the door. But she actually only asked them to come to the chateau. Right, to yeah. the vineyard. Yeah, say to yeah. come to the vineyard out in the yard. I mean, he kind of saw the. Well, what was she going to say? Come to the spaceship? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> this yeah, is true. I, but, you I, know, there's you know, a spaceship if, parked in back. That's if it was glowing. so easy to get on <laughs> that, right. if it was so easy to get, get on that cloak spaceship, then the garbage men in Voyage <laughs> Home would have gotten on the spaceship too. That's all I'm going to say about that. Oh, uh, but my funniest scene was when Picard was saying, yes, this is my Crackerjack crew and I love them and they're dragging out the cops. <laughs> Morris too just looks at him like this is your crew. 
He's a dead cop. No, he's not yeah. dead. No, he's not, he's dead. not dead. I'm sure there's, I'm sure sure there's an explanation. <laughs> that uh, you, was my favorite scene. Uh, you you said garbage man, Jamie, and all I could think of, did you see that? No, I didn't. And neither did you. So <laughs> shut up. She wants me to pay $50 for that toaster oven. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, I, uh, I love it when they put the humor in like they did in the original series. But that, all- that was all Nicholas Meyer. Perfect. There. All yep. Nicholas Meyer. Yeah. Yeah. We'd like to take a moment to talk about Fansets, the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Fansets is the home of amazing pin collectibles. The quality of the merchandise they put out is second to none. It's not just Star Trek that they offer, as they have a bunch of different fandoms to choose from, including Scooby-Doo, DC Comics, Batman 66, Harry Potter, and Rick and Morty. As you know, Fansets releases new pins twice a month. And if you want to see the new releases for April 1st, looks like you're going to have to come meet us at Mission Chicago to see their new releases. Hopefully, they'll be on the website if we don't buy them all, with the four of us buy them all before then. Uh, but no they have guarantees. Had, <laughs> no guarantees for sure. Uh, but they, they offer all sorts of great releases. We just recently saw on March 15th, uh, the release of the Luxana Troy pin, also the Adira from season three of uh, Discovery and the Earth Defense Force, and also from the USS Cerritos, Lieutenant J.G. Matt, the Beluga Whale from Lower Decks. So look forward to those pins and also many other of the over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins that we see on the website, including the Deltas Done Right, the Micro Crew pins, episode pins, and so many other great designs. So please go to fansets.com, put a whole bunch of pins into your cart. As a listener to the show, you can receive 10% off your next order from Fansets by using the code DISCOVERINGTREK at checkout. And remember that you receive free shipping in the U.S. on orders of $30 or more. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. All right, so now we're going to get into the overall message of this episode. Um, did we start with you last, Mike, or did we start with Jamie last? My brain hurts. It's Jamie's uh, ball <laughs> this time, I believe. Okay. okay. So, Jamie, what did you find to be, in your opinion, the overall message of this episode? Uh, well... I know I keep retreading these tires, but um, I, I'm going to go back to that feeling of loss and um, kind of maybe taking it one step further, the how far are we willing to go to protect our ideals or the people that we love? Um, we hear that term used quite a bit, you know, being a hostage of love, you know, Q talks about it. I, I really think, and I forget who mentioned it earlier in this episode, but, you know, just like how Picard has a loss of Laris. Raffi, I think 
Q is battling with some sort of loss in his life. Maybe it's a, another member of the Q continuum or somebody he's very close to something to that effect, but it's kind of referenced a little bit in this episode, how he is a little bit of a hostage to love to a certain extent. Um, we also see this with Adam soon and Corey, um, how he is a hostage to the love of her. His fear of loss is driving his character to do things or to perhaps make decisions that could really have dark and disastrous consequences for the future of mankind. Uh, we see Talyn and she's got her concern about the loss of Renee Picard or how that's going to affect uh, the future Borg queen with losing Agnes um, Q with his future. And, and, and there's something behind the whole Q thing that we're, we're still trying to figure out and explore. But um, so I'm going to go back to that feeling of loss and how far are people willing to go to protect the things that they love? Nice. Those tires have been retread so many times that we're seeing them on the side of the road now. Sabrina. Um, I am going to just do a little variation of what Jamie just said. And the thing that came out for me as a theme in this was not so much the loss, but loneliness in itself. And it was mentioned by the Borg Queen to Agnes, you're alone in every timeline. And even Picard said it to Laris too. And who watches after you? You know, she asked her, Are you al- you're alone all the time. And she was like, yeah, pretty much. And, and so is Q. We're saying like, who has Q lost? I mean, every time we have seen Q, we have seen a couple of fun episodes where he supposedly had a wife, he supposedly had a son. But most of the time he's even alone, not even hanging with the rest of the continuum. You know, he doesn't seem to have anybody. And we have the same thing again, you know, with um, Rafi and Seven, you know, acknowledging that they've got each other's back, like fighting the loneliness that both of them have come out of. So I think everybody on this crew has had a moment where they have been extremely lonely, Reels too. They were uh, totally alone, not connecting. I thought it was really interesting to see Reels connect again with his Hispanic side, you know, his Latino side. And, you know, he was enjoying talking to the doctor. He was enjoying talking to the guy that knocked out the, uh, the guard. And, um, you know, I thought it was really loneliness, even with uh, Renee, the loneliness that all of them experience in what they do, what they have to go through, what, they, what they're doing and what loneliness comes from the jobs they've chosen to do. Cool. Thank you, Mike. I'm going to build right off of that one, uh, which is interesting. We're all building off of each other. Uh, I think that part of the overall message here is that the importance of connection and also of reaching out. So I think that we can all identify people in our lives who may seem like they're doing fine and could probably, and therefore we just assume that they're doing fine and we don't maybe reach out as much as we should uh, or um, we we forget about them a little bit. And, and, and this is where things like Girardi's lack of connection comes from. This is where, uh, you know, Renee's lack of connection and support comes from. And I think that it, this, the bottom line of this, is, of what I want to say is that I think we need to all identify people in our lives who quite possibly could be those people that 
look like they're doing fine. They're okay. They're, you know, they're thriving. Everything's fine. And then, uh, my challenge to everyone is really to, to identify those people and check in with them and keep checking in with them because I don't think that that first reach out is going to, um, you know, that they're going to necessarily open up. And I think that these characters are representing, um, something about, you know, reaching, reaching out to people that you think are fine and just helping them along. Because I think we all have inner demons that we're, we're facing that other people don't know about. And, uh, you know, even, even, uh, Rafi does not tell seven that she just thought she saw Elnor, you know? So there are things that we're, we're all keeping from to ourselves that, you know, people may think we're crazy or that we're, you know, out of our minds, but that are, are real manifestations of the feelings that we have inside of us. And uh, so my my message to everyone listening is to to identify those people who you might think are doing fine, but check in on them and repeatedly check in on them, because I, I think that that's really important. It's amazing how we are going to all build off of each other here. Because what I have written in my notes is just a very simple sentence. It's not okay to exploit people with anxiety slash depression problems. Um, And I say that as someone who has gone through that uh, extensively in my, in my immediate family, myself, my wife, and my daughter. Um, But (laughs) Last year in, uh, over the summer, just before, uh, Las Vegas, I was having two or three massive panic attacks a day where it was shutting me down for the whole day. Um, and if it was not for the support that I received, obviously at home from my family, uh, but within my team at work, um, you know, explaining to them and saying, look, you can get in touch with me if you need something, but I physically can't sit at a desk and do stuff right now. I need to, I need to step back and be able to get myself. Well, um, I don't know what would have happened, (laughs) you know, and I think of what we were talking about before Sabrina, about, um, the thought with, uh, Renee, and how she may have, she probably would have washed out of the program. You know, as I think about it more, I, I think about how many people in the world right now are plagued. And I say it as a plague yeah. because it's a disease, um, are plagued with anxiety and depression right now. And I almost wonder if, the fact that they had somebody actively working with her because the doctor that Q is supposed to be is a member of the space program. Right. She's She's that good. Yeah. She's there to be helping her her in there. Right. Exactly. You know, they've seen something in her that says we need to have her on this team, but we need to give her this doctor that's going to assist her. But but now we see the tables turn because Q has stepped in and, you know, getting back to my thought, he's exploiting that problem. Absolutely. 
We've talked about Gerardi and her relationship with the Borg queen and how she is exploiting her issues. Now, I would say with Gerardi, it's it's maybe not necessarily uh, the anxiety side of things because she seems to handle handle herself well under pressure, but definitely depression, as we've talked about with the loneliness, the being alone. And again, as we've said in this episode, the Borg Queen is exploiting that. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to echo what you were saying, Mike. Um, just because someone looks fine on the outside does not mean that on the inside they're doing okay. Um, we can't, you know, you can't exploit the weaknesses of somebody for your own gain. You really need to be able to help and work with people. Um, because if you're exploiting them, you don't know what kind of situation you're leading them into. Starfleet Command is proud to present you the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. So we move on to our medal round. And since I had such a long diatribe there, I will pass it on to uh, somebody else in the room at random. So let me spin my finger and... Mike, you get to take the lead on the medal round. Well, the first, I think I've been pretty transparent about this from the start. I think uh, Cindy Apple uh, or Appel uh, deserves a, an award this week for the writing of this episode. I think that the dialogue she writes between Q and Adam, between uh, Rafi and Seven, and between uh, Talin and Picard are just really well-crafted scenes and dialogue um and you know i i hesitate to i'm not nominating jonathan frakes for an award but i think that you know obviously he he takes what's written on paper and and produces it but uh honestly it's the words on the paper this week that are um you know i as i was watching this episode i was actually pausing it i had closed captionings on and i was writing down the the exact quotes I, I thought i was like oh i can you know remember this and i was like nope i'm gonna write it down word for word because it's so well said and so uh kudos to cindy for a fantastic um written episode the other two are, are acting awards I, I i think that um penelope M- mitchell who plays renee picard did an excellent job. I, I can't wait to see more of her, honestly. And fun fact about her, she is also from the Vampire Diaries, which uh, oh. a young Captain Kirk, uh, Paul Wesley, who's joining Strange New World Season 2, is also from the Vampire oh. Diaries. So, um, kudos to her. I can't wait Star to Star Trek world. It really is. It really is. So I want to welcome her to, you know, we, we only saw her briefly laugh in the last episode. This episode, we got to see a little bit more. I can't wait to see more from her. Uh, I'm fascinated by the 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 character of Renee Picard, and I, I think that she embodies it well so far, and I'm looking forward to seeing more from her. And finally, uh, this episode would not be what it is without Brent Spiner uh, as Adam Sung. Um you know, a fantastic job, a very different character than what he's played, which I think is great for him as an actor. But I also think it's great for us as as people who see who've seen Brent Spiner in so many different roles uh, in the Sung family throughout Star Trek. So uh, 
you really get the sense that this is a father at the end of his rope, not sure how to save his daughter, whether, you know, and again, I, I think I have some doubts now in my mind about who, who Corey's mother is or isn't. Uh, and, um, so I think that this creation of his, let's say is, uh, is driving this character, but he's playing it really well and a desperate father who, will do anything for Q to get this, this uh, cure that uh, will allow his daughter to live. So uh, I, and I think that the, the fatherhood aspect is really powerful in this episode as well. So he does a f- phenomenal job. I, you know, obviously he and Delancey have played off of one another before, but you know what, to be honest, uh, Brent Spiner takes the cake this week. So that is my third and final. I'm going to stick to three this week. Well, I threatened to take one away, but you know, I let you go. I let you go. <laughs> if I remember correctly, Jamie pulled the same stunt last week too. So, um, to punish him, great, great minds think about think alike, <laughs> you know. So, to punish him, I'm going to go next because I'm sure uh, we might have some <laughs> of the same stuff. <laughs> um, so, Mike, I agree with you on uh, Brent Spiner. Uh, I had him, I had him number one on my list. Um, I think it's phenomenal how he, he started in this franchise as data. He has played data lore and B4 who are essentially all the same character, just with some different characteristics. But beyond that, he's taken what he built as data and gone backwards and had to build the legacy of that character up. And Adam is different from, and I keep forgetting what his name is from enterprise, but the soon from enterprise, Eric, who's Eric soon, Eric soon. Thank you. And Alton Inigo was the other one who's different from, um, who's different from Noonien Soong, who's different from Alton Indigo Soong, but they all have this little shred tied together where you say, I see data there. It's maybe small, but I see data there. And that is a trait of a fantastic actor when he can take what seven roles that he's played within a family make them so different that you realize they're a different person. And yet at the same time, you can tell where the genesis of that comes from as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next one, I, I got to give it up to uh, our favorite Momulin, uh Orla Brady, who's not playing a Momulin in this episode, but uh, sh- her scenes with, uh, Patrick Stewart in this episode, like you feel like they're in the 24th century, even though they're not. And, you know, some of that is based off of how Patrick Stewart is playing off of her. Um, but she does an excellent job in a different role, but still doing the acting with, uh, Picard on here. And I did have writing team written down as a third one, but Mike, since you gave the credit to the writing team, I'll go with freaks. Uh, and, I, and I'll say, you know, the last 
not so great episode that I can recall Frakes directing is Sub Rosa. Um, so, you know, that's what, 1994. Um, so he's got almost 30 years of good Star Trek episodes uh, after that that are almost universally proclaimed at this point. So he had to direct what was on the paper, though, Mike. There you go. I know somebody, somebody had to direct Sub Rosa. I know. I it was know. scary. It hey. was scary. Hey, Brandon Raga loves that episode because he wrote it. I, I don't know that Frakes loves that episode. <laughs> All he, right. He Jamie. also loves. He also loves the one with the. Uh, oh, with the lizards in Voyager too. Oh. Hey, I like that episode. Yeah, I know. Threshold. <laughs> threshold. threshold. <laughs> All right, Jamie, since you're since you're unmuted, we will let you go next. All right. Um, this is kind of a late award. So what I mean by that is I, I felt like I should have given this award out sooner. So I'm going to kind of make up for it <laughs> here. Uh, James McKinnon uh, for makeup. And it was... Uh, you know, I, I watching, uh, watching um, Ready Room. You know, I really gained a deeper appreciation for if you can do the Borg Queen's makeup in two and a half hours, <laughs> you deserve an award. So, um, yeah, I I feel like it's we we should have given him an award a while ago, but uh, James McKinnon for sure. Well um, deserved. I'm going to go kind of an opposite take. I know, I know everybody's been talking about, you know, Brent Spiner and, and obviously I think his performance was, was incredible, but I'm going to go with John Delancey and any Wershing again um, in this episode. And the reason being is going back to, you know, we, we kept talking a lot about seduction in this episode and kind of those darker tones of being able to seduce somebody to do something that you want. And, you know, obviously Annie washing has been killing it with Gerardi the last few weeks, but John Delancey, he, 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 he was seducing Brent Spiner's character. I mean, absolutely. He, he was laying on thick and um, really was showing his acting chops too. So, you know, like I said, I'm going to go with the John Delancey, Annie Wershing combination of that being effective at seduction and really hitting those dark chords that we're seeing in this season. Hey, I'm glad that you said Delancey and Wershing and then didn't try to throw another one in there. Like you I, did I was going to throw Frank's in there too, but I said, <laughs> I'll stop. I'll stop at three before I get penalized. Yeah. We, w- we would have to bring in uh, one of the trick geeks this w- next week. Yeah, Dan to... would fire me on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sabrina, what do you got? Well, I'm going to go with the first thing I said, uh, talked about earlier. I think the production, the art direction or the set direction, <laughs> I love these locations and sets that they have for this show. I think the opening scene where we were on the Shango, I mean, they nailed it with let that looking like, you know, something in the, in the space program. That was incredible. I love that apartment of Laris too. Um, I, I love the whole look of it. If you go back and look at that apartment, it was, I was just waiting for the cat to come out from someplace. And even, like I said, the tablet she had, her outfit, everything was just spot on. Um, and I also love the fact that this is not using like, the, you know, the AR wall. We're not using a lot of special effects. We are using, you know, set design to make you feel that you're in a certain place and you really are feeling 
that you're there. Then there were some really incredible special effects. I appreciated the vault door of Gary Seven and the smoke. I love that. I'm like, oh my God, you're killing me. And Thank you. Um, the other, yes, I love, and I loved, um, I loved Adam Sung's apartment and his whole setup. I mean, everything looks so great. Uh, the other thing, the second one I'd like to give a, an award to was definitely hair and makeup. Um, special hair and makeup for, you know, the Borg Queen and for making Allison Pill look like a hottie at the end of this show. Well, oh, she came out there and yeah. I was like, okay, I see you, girl. I see mm-hmm. all of that. I see all of that. She looked glamorous. And I, I love that they really made her look like her, you know, like a beautiful movie star she can look instead of always like poor, poor, you know, Agnes. Um, and I will give it to actually in any uh, washing as the boy queen. She is a favorite of mine. I tweeted to her and said, girl, you are killing it as the boy queen. And I'm with you, Jamie. I loved all the both other boy queens, but this one is creepy, even though she's got an extra tendril that I'm not so you know, convinced about. But um, I, I love her performance. Absolutely incredible. Uh, and those are my three. I was just going to say, um, I love how they put Agnes in the red dress too, like to make her stand out, you know, like the the woman in the red dress. I, I thought yes. that was kind of, uh, and, and did you know, Orla Brady is 61 years old. That woman looks fantastic for 61 does. years yeah. old. Yeah, fantastic. she is. Fantastic. I, I loved uh, Mike calling her Momulin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <That's it. laughs> We we have the Momulin and we have the Dadmiral. So yes, that's right. I love her scene. She was she was oh my god, I love her. So yeah, I'm I'm excited for the rest of these episodes. I cannot wait to see what happens. And can I say, when it comes to the Borg Queen, isn't it Gerardi that's killing it? But um, boom. Stick to yeah. your day job, Mike. Don't and worry, that's why you're going to get fired from yep. the network exactly. right there. You got it. You got it. Boom to you. <laughs> Actually, I can, I, can hit, I can hit an actual symbol if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Library computer data being received. All right. Now, as if this episode hasn't been crazy enough, we're going to get to the prediction section which is where things get really crazy. So I am going to go off script tonight and I am going to take the lead on predictions, mainly for the fact that uh, by the time all of you guys get through your predictions, I feel (laughs) like whatever I've put out there is really sad. So I'm going to start off and then, you know, I'm not going to feel like such a slouch uh, at the end. (laughs) So here's my thought. Episode two, Penance, at the Chateau, Picard and Q are talking, and Picard says to Q, what have you done? Why are things like this? And Q says, show them a timeline they've created, and they ask, what have you done? I think that the death of Corey is the divergence in time. They are so focused on Rene Picard being that divergence and that someone is going to try and prevent her from going into space. Think of what Picard says in this episode. 
only thing I remember about Renee Picard was that she discovered an organism on, did he say it was IO? IO. Um, that she thought was intelligent. He doesn't say that it was intelligent. He doesn't say that it was this history altering event that everyone talks about. However, from the future that we see, we know Adam Soong has something huge to do with it. So my thought is Corey Soong dies. Adam Soong goes off the deep end and realizes that Q is from another dimension, an alien, whatever you want to call it. And that is where a safe galaxy is a human galaxy comes from. Bam, mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you kept the good one for when you actually start, right? <laughs> you didn't keep it in the other weeks. <laughs> exactly. That, he, he finally has starting. something. I had a good one, so I had to make sure good that one. no one to go else first. took it. Yep, that's right. That's right. Sabrina, I'm the complete opposite direction of you. <laughs> so. Sabrina, what do you have for a prediction? Well, I, I love Mike's prediction because I had in my notes, I feel, I feel like I need to show you, why isn't somebody watching Corey? I have that in my notes. I'm like, she seems like the magic thing here. And the only reason why I thought of it was because what Q said about he was stardust, he was this. And then he said, I am death the destroyer. And that's exactly what the Romulan woman on the old Borg ship said Ooh. of Soji. Yeah. When she looked at her, she said, you are the destroyer. You are death. And I was like, wow. wait a minute. Did she just, did Q just say the same thing that Corey was? Like, wait a minute, that Soji was that? And Corey and Soji and Corey and Soji. And so wait. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But that is, um, that's not my prediction. You already heard my prediction. I predicted that there are multiple cues. And this is a different cue in the timeline than the one that didn't really send them back, but kind of sent them back. <laughs> I think that's a good one. I think that's a good one. Yeah, I loved your connection. And of course, that the card, that the little tunnel on the card is the tunnel in the in the um, opening credits. It has something to do with Q. I, I love that connection that you made though to the first season about you know yeah. being the destroyer. I think that's a it, really it scared good me when he said that because I said, oh my god, that's exactly what the Romulan um, said on the board the board cube. You're the Seb Shineb. Mm hmm. Okay, Mike. What do you got for a prediction? Did you come up with one? I mean, my my mind is blown by the two of you this week. So I, you know, I, I know what it's like to be Mike Bovia for a moment here. Oh man! <laughs> my my new prediction is that Mike will no longer be on this show next week. <laughs> That's okay. When Jamie gets fired, him he's coming over to Deep Space Pride, so that's okay. He'll have a, he'll, he'll have a job. Go, so it's all said. Hopefully, it pays as well as this one. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It's the same same paycheck. Um, well, you know, I don't think that this is anybody's surprise. Uh, the only thing I can really think of that doesn't involve what you two have already said is that. Um, one, I think that Picard, that our Jean Luc is going to get to talk to Renee, or he's going to somehow talk to her, uh, and that might be the the point that um, 
now now you got me thinking that 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 isn't the divergence but um maybe that is the unexpected piece of this that he he's trying to convince her to go and maybe she chooses not to go i'm not sure but i think that they're going to have a conversation and i i'm wondering if it's not going to go the way that they expect it to go um that he can't actually affect the timeline mm-hmm. and, and what kind of pre- repercussions that will have uh to that but i also think that there's something else that's going to happen i'm telling you that like i i obvious i think it's obvious now that gerardi is probably the borg queen from this other ship that we see in episode two um i'm just wondering what's going to stop her from starting to assimilate 24 you know, I, I, I actually thought that that was going to happen in this episode. I thought that that when she called the cops, that that was going to be the start of her army uh, in 2024 and that she was actually going to cause the divergence uh, by bringing up this this whole um, or by creating a board collective on Earth in that in 2024. So I'm wondering how is she's handcuffed? How is she going to get out of this? The only thing that I can think of is that the tendrils, you know, that the, the things that they shoot out of their, their hands that assimilate that she's going to somehow use that to, to, um, originally I thought it would be to get into the system and start manipulating things. But I think that that's a little too far out of the realm of possibility, but I think that she may do that. She may assimilate the two security guards who are sitting in front of her. Um, who they're talking about. So I, I think that we're going to see some some sort of assimilation happen um, that actually will, and I think everything is going to really, I, I really think that as much as we are hoping for an Ocean's Eleven type episode next week, I think that it will be like that for a few minutes and then it will be a shit storm, to be honest. I think that, I think that everything is going to go off the rails, um, you know, and I think that, yeah, I'll just stop there. That's enough. But uh, I think that we are expecting this this to go smoothly, and it is not. And um, so I, I think that I think that we're going to be blown away by what is going to happen next week. I think it's going to completely change what we think about this season and how the the rest of the season is going to arc for us. Mm, I agree. All right, Jamie. Jamie, there's no way I could have spoiled your sport, your oh, prediction. No. Come on, Jamie, I, lay it I, on us. Well, no, right. Now I gotta, you know what it's like to bring up the rear. Okay, I, I got a few little ones, a few little ones, maybe one big one at the end. We'll see. But I, I definitely think, obviously, Agnes, we know she's the one that's going to help them go back in time correctly because she's the board queen. So we know that one. Um, I do think Adam Soong is going to be the instrument that attempts to kill Renee Picard. Um, I'm, I'm going to go the opposite of Mike and Sabrina. I'm going to stay on the Renee Picard bandwagon as she's the divergence. Um, you know, I, like I said, I, and I think Adam Soong's going to try to attempt to murder her somehow, some way kill her. Um, you know, cause in, he mentions it several times this episodes, I'm willing to kill. I was willing to kill Pup Q. I'm willing to protect the ones he loves. Um, I'm going to go on the side of this whole Renee mission, um, that she goes and, you know, Picard talks about that microorganism being found on IO. 
um, and being brought back. I think that that is her discovering a new alien life form. And to me, that's what causes humans to want to seek out new life and new life forms and go out into space. To me, it's going to be the direct thing that influences Zephram Cochran to want to, whoops, to, to want to go perhaps do warp travel, things like that. Um, I know he says in first contact that it's for chicks and money and stuff like that. But Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to say that, you know, it's going to be more important than Picard's kind of leading on that. It's going to be, she found some sort of new life form um, that was kind of area 54 kept under wraps, kept secretive, whatever. But um, it, it's, it's definitely crucial to the future of, seeking out new life and new civilizations. And the last thing I'm going to say is I really think that Corey is an Android or some sort of clone. Um, I do not think she is real at all. In fact, I would, I'm even going to go as far as to say, this is maybe a multiple copy type situation where maybe she did exist at one time and maybe she had some sort of genetic defect and he's trying to figure out what the cure is. And he's so insane at this point and being so driven to madness that he's just making clone after clone after clone of this, whatever his daughter is trying to find a cure, you know, because we see the, the Leah Thompson character and that other, you know, that board he's been doing this for years. So, which kind of leads me to believe that this isn't his first rodeo of, I, I think this has been like an ongoing process where he's just, reproducing the same clone that's dying or same type of Android that's dying. And he can't figure out that the link for it to survive and he's obsessed with it. And that's why there's no wife in the picture or mother in the picture. She doesn't exist. You know, yeah. Cause he's driven. Yeah. He's driven her away and whatever the case is, or maybe she doesn't exist. Maybe it's something he create. Maybe he created this life and it just keeps dying because he can't, figure out the, that secret recipe to keep it living. So, um, I'm going to go with that theory that I don't like, that's it. That's, that's a good one. I I appreciate that one. You've also predicted, uh, inadvertently, I think that area 51 is decommissioned and they open up area 54. Just, there you go. (laughs) I wish that, um, studio 54, (laughs) I wish that Soong held the rank of Colonel because then it could be the Colonel's secret recipe. There you go. Oh my God. <laughs> if, if I know if, if Jurati killing it didn't kill my career on the network, Colonel's secret recipe just did. But you know, here's the thing though. You guys may be onto something with your predictions because maybe the divergence is Corey getting the cure. Maybe she's never meant to get the cure. She's meant to die. But now because Q introduces the cure to her and she lives, that becomes the divergence. She's our Edith Keeler. She has to die. (laughs) Has to die. No. Yep. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, she's either Lau or she's Edith. I don't know which one she is. Yeah. I'm not as stuck to her as I was to Edith Keeler though. Like her dying wouldn't mean as much to me. It would mean it to Sung though. That would, that would, that would send them off the, that would send them off the 
off know, the rails. The path. Yeah, he's, off the rails. To me, he's, he's already off the rails. It. But yeah, right. It, for some reason, he's. I don't know. I, I, like I said, I I don't think she's real. I really I don't think, think Cindy Appel is having a good laugh right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You know, and the other thing I, I said this on Deep Space Pride, but I'll say it here, too. I love how much the show is fueling predictions. And just, oh, yeah. Uh, so much more than Discovery ever did for for at least for Johnson and I. <laughs> Uh, this show doing predictions has been so much fun. And uh, I, I think it really comes down to just the history in TNG and uh, and Picard himself. I think that this just, I don't know, it's it's like a fertile ground of, of, mm-hmm. of stuff that the writers are just honoring everything about every single one of us and our, you know, our predictions. I'm, I'm sure that everything that we've said is on some, what was on some whiteboard at some point, Yeah. Yep. you know? So whether yeah, they remember it or not, this is what the writer's room is doing. They're just throwing stuff out there to see what sticks. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I love this aspect of Picard so much. Yeah, I feel like the discover, and this is not bad mouthing. Let me get that out of the way right now. I feel like the discovery writers have kind of backed off of doing predictive writing because of the massive backlash that came from the um, uh, the reveal in season one of um, Ash Tyler invoke and then the reveal in season two that michael burnham was the red angel spoilers sorry um but you know there was a lot of people who like one episode in were like you know once they met ash tyler they said oh ash tyler's vogue and then you know we heard about the red angel and the connection to spock and people said oh michael burnham's the red angel and they throw you that little divergence there when you see that her mom is actually a red angel but the red angel is michael burnham in the long run Uh, so i i kind of feel like the writers have tried to get away from that predictive writing this writing staff though mike to your point is kind of hitting a home run because you don't know what direction they're going to go in you know we've had between the four of us i feel like we've had six or seven predictions just here today and any one of them could be right. Um, so, I mean, that's awesome because it keeps everyone wanting to come back next week to see what's really going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. The writers are, are killing it this season. I mean, they are just, yeah, definitely. It's, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, and, and yeah. you know what? All of our predictions could be wrong and they could be something else that we didn't even think of. It's even a deeper cut than any one of us has predicted. So, um, uh, I, I think the show is more has more predictive value because they have so many more developed characters. Yeah, that you could say something about, and these characters not only are developed, but they're characters that we've seen in the previous season or previous franchise. 
Right. So, you know, that makes it a lot easier for us to make up all this crazy stuff because we've got, a, like you said, a lot of fertile ground. <laughs> There's a lot of backstory. Crazy. Yep. Yeah. You can just say, oh, well, what about this? And he said that. But, you know, it was hard to do that with a, a brand new show that didn't have the, the bedrock, you know, to have all that stuff come out. So the only thing you could predict on was, was the two or three episodes you saw. And, of course, you, somebody nailed it. You know? but, but you also think, too, I mean, it was a new show, but it was also in a time frame before mm-hmm. the original series. So, like, it was you're kind of you're kind of stuck in that retcon box where it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we, we yeah, have to follow certain hard. rules and we got to keep, you know, we got to, we got to keep things a certain way and we it's got to be within that far. sandbox. Yep. Yeah. We can't go too far. The deep yeah. where, I mean, we're, we're in, you know, 2401. It's like, we can do whatever we want. You know, we can take this, whatever direction we want to take it in. And that's another thing about discovery. Now they're in the 32nd century. They can, uh, they have a blank slate to play with. So I love it. Mm-hmm. Give me more butterfly people. I love it. Absolutely. Thank you. So something that is not a prediction is what's coming up next week. With the help of Talon, Picard and the crew infiltrate a gala on the eve of a joint space mission to protect one of the astronauts they believe to be integral to the restoration of the timeline, Rene Picard. And Corey makes a startling discovery about her father's work episode six is entitled two of one and we'll be covering it for you here on discovering trek picard and don't forget that you can support discovering trek and the trek geeks podcast network by subscribing to bonus content on patreon get access to unedited audio of all our podcasts and a lot of other awesome perks if you'd like to support this and the other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, beam on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks, where subscriptions start as low as $2 a month. For more great Star Trek discussion, check out the aforementioned member podcasts on the network. In addition to discovering Trek, there is Trek Geeks, Rewind, Politrex, Five-Year Mission, Deep Space Pride, Drawn to Trek, Infinite Trek, the Divine Treasury, Sci-Fi Sisters, Science Station 2, and With the First Link. And also, we'd like to welcome ConPod, the newest podcast edition to the network, all about Star Trek conventions. You can find all of these shows and where to listen to them on trekkies.com slash listen, or by downloading the Trek Geeks mobile app. The Trek Geeks podcast network. No one talks Trek like we do. So how is this storyline with Gerardi eventually going to unfold? And as we've all asked, what is the story with Corey soon? Also make sure to look for us at the Trek geeks booth and wandering about mission Chicago this weekend, because you know what? We might have some nifty gifties to close this episode. I will quote, Jean-Luc Picard from First Contact regarding the Borg. They invade our space and we fall back. They miss they assimilate entire worlds and we fall back. Not again. The line must be drawn here. This far, no further. Until next time, never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. 
They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Hello, you have reached the Q Continuum. We are unable to get to the phone right now because we are busy living in a plane of existence your feeble mortal mind cannot possibly comprehend. Furthermore, it's pointless to leave a message because we, of course, already knew that you would call and we simply do not care. Have a nice day.